Hello, welcome to the Bella Podcast. Today we are speaking with Kartapurk Singh Khalsa, KP Khalsa. He is an Ayurvedic doctor and has over 45 years of experience in holistic medicine. He's one of the foremost natural healing experts in North America. He is also the President Emeritus of the American Herbalist Guild. He's the Director of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. He's a respected teacher, writer, and lecturer. He's a state-certified nutritionist and nationally registered herbalist. So, today we'll be discussing Dinacharya, or Daily Routine, with K.P. Kausa. Without further ado, here's K.P. Hello, K.P. How are you today? Doing really well, thanks. Nice to meet you, Chris. Uh, pleasure to be on your show. Wonderful. Well, so happy to have you. Thank you for being here. Now, today, we're discussing Dinacharya. Would you do us a favor and explain a little bit about what Dinacharya is? Sure, of course. Well, Dinacharya is a concept from Ayurveda, which uh, just means daily routine. Acharya just means a procedure, and Dina is daily, so the procedures that you follow daily. Uh, before we get into the details of Dinacharya, let me just say that Ayurveda uh, is defined in many ways, but one of the ways that we could describe Ayurveda is the science of 10,000 persnickety rules. You know, it's been going in written form, or at least... Uh, early pre-written and then in written form for about 5,000 years and probably was ascending uh, before that. So when you put human beings on a subject to research and experiment with their own bodies and minds and spirit for 5,000 years, they pretty much ask every question that could be answered and they have debates about it over the centuries and come up with understanding about how you should do things. So every single thing about the way you can be in your life has already been discussed in Ayurveda, there are rules for everything, or let's not call them rules, let's call them advice. So rather than thinking of these things as black and white military orders, let's think of them as a smorgasbord of possibilities, and you choose from them to use the things that work well for you. For many of us, work would take up a giant chunk of the day, and the things that you do before or after work are things that you kind of wedge in. But Dinacharya assumes that you have about 36 hours a day to do all these persnickety things having to do with yoga and diet and spiritual uh, practices. So the smallest, most minute activity is discussed and recommended and regulated. Dinacharya are the basic daily routines that you do throughout your day to make it through the day. When most people talk about Dinacharya, they're talking about the things that you do early in the morning before you get your workday started. And so that would be your yoga sadhana and all of your other sadhanas or disciplines or practices about the way you take care of your body and your exercise and meditation and things like that. A lot of detail. You can decide which of these things apply to you and then uh, work out however you uh, work it out. It's one of the most important concepts in Ayurveda, and I will say that having been in this field for 49 years and practicing these things myself, I have a new appreciation for these things all the time. I fall in love with them over and over, and as I teach students at every level, from beginning to professional doctorate level, people find that these procedures 
really add to their day and when they start doing them it seems at first like how could it matter when you get up or if you take a shower or whether you oil your body or those things but then as they begin to do them they begin to realize that something just goes better it's kind of hard to describe but none of these things seems like it would be a game changer but each of them added together just helps people live a healthy holy and happy life and they really uh, relate to it so all these principles are the things we're going to be talking about absolutely and you know everything that we do during the day affects everything about us and affects how our day goes if we figure out how to learn to control all the different aspects of our day through routine we can live a more mindful day which will help us become more successful during the day now as you mentioned dinacharya is a set of daily routines set of actions that we do can you be a bit more specific and um, discuss what that entails? Right. We have a whole lot of discussion about all these different possibilities. Uh, the whole idea in Ayurveda is that everything that you do is oriented in the same direction. So these are not necessarily major game changers in your life, but they're things that if each time you have an opportunity to make a choice, you make the the positive choice to get your energy going in the direction that you need toward balance they all add up uh, it's the science of doing a small a, a thousand small things that all uh, work together so there are things like uh, when you get up how you get up uh, how, what you do around your uh, uh, bathing time uh, how you take care of all of the uh, the nine holes that open to the outside world in your uh, in your body, you prepare for the day, and it just gives you a great foundation for the things that you'll be uh, pursuing. And of course, we can go into a lot of detail here about each of these uh, matters. But breathing, uh, things to apply to your body externally, uh, the way you use the toilet, uh, all those things are important. And uh, we have teachings to describe how each individual person would benefit from each of these procedures. That's fascinating. Absolutely wonderful. Now, you mentioned that every little thing adds up. All our little activities through the day combine into our whole experience of the day. So I wanted to um, touch base with you and, and why, you know, discuss why should we care? Why is this important in our daily lives? Ayurveda is based on understanding the energies that run your metabolism uh, in your body. And you can sort of give me some uh, guidance about how much sort of Sanskrit terminology we should get in here that your audience would uh, appreciate. But bottom line, there are three major uh, metabolic primal energies in your body that run your uh, system. And those need to be in balance in order for you to be healthy. So we want your body to be in the zone of dynamic balance, we could call it, where you're not too dry, not too wet, your body's not working too fast, it's not working too slow, it's not too heavy, it's not too light, it's right in the baby bear category of just right. So these Dinacharya procedures start off your day with helping your body get oriented toward 
the the balance of those uh, procedures and then you carry that on through the day so that your diet behavior schedule type of yoga that you do the herbs that you take everything is oriented toward bringing you back to that zone of dynamic balance where you're not only free of symptoms but you're feeling great and working toward being all that you could be physically mentally and spiritually I do see how that can be extremely important and powerful. Now, you mentioned about all the things that we can do and the routine that we that we have during the day. And this is extremely important nowadays because we're in a time where routine could be of great asset to us. Can you explain to us, you know, let's start the, in the morning. Like, what kind of things should we focus on in the morning? When should we get up? And I, you know, routine like that. Let's start the day off right. Right, absolutely. Well, Ayurveda divides therapy as generally into two categories food and behavior. Ahara is food, Vihara is behavior. And food includes anything that you would take into your body. So that's uh, things like herbal medicine as well. Here we're talking about the behavioral therapies, aligning yourself with the vibrations of the universe. So we take into account uh, every aspect of the changing energies of our uh, environment. Uh, the cycle of the day, which of course is governed by the sun, and that's going to differ depending on the, uh, the season. Uh, the cycle of the year, uh, with uh, the climate outside, uh, for example, or what, what the sun is uh, doing, the cycle of life, what aspect of life we're in, our, our age, all these are going to create some variation and we tune into all those things and then use procedures that help us come back into that zone of dynamic balance so that we can stay symptom-free and healthy, live a long time, but feel great while we're living that long time. So these morning procedures are based on these cycles. Ayurveda has these three primal metabolic forces called dosha. The word dosha actually means a corrupt or rot, rotting, something that could go out of balance. And that's kind of a negative uh, conception, but we're all made of these energy categories and they have to work properly for us to digest food, be able to think clearly, uh, be able to have uh, a comfortable body to live in, uh, like that. So it depends on what's happening with these doshas at any given time. Uh, so in the morning, we uh, are going to be dominated by a dosha called kapha, which is um, heavy, tends to suppress digestion, and um, involves uh, detoxifying from the night before, for example. So we'd like to get up before that time during the time when vata dosha or the active dosha, the creative forces in our body are active. We'd like to have a consistent routine, which this is one of the most difficult for things for people to do. You know, we used to live in caves and until very recently that we did that for uh, millennia, the cave provided the routine. Humans are diurnal, they're active during the day and predators roam around at night. So when it came time to go back into the cave was the time when the sun uh, went down and it was natural that people would wind down around the fire and then go to sleep but they'd be up with the sun in the morning. Our bodies are wired for that kind of a life. 
now we can be awake all night long. You can be on the internet, you can go out, you can grocery shop in the middle of the night, but our bodies know that it's time to sleep during the night. And our hormone secretions are all based on that, the amount of light in our environment. So in the depths of the cave, it was pitch black. We rarely are in this pitch black environment uh, now. So we'd like to, as closely as possible, replicate that whole situation where we can be as active during the day when the sun is up and as inactive during the night when things are dark. This consistent routine is very important from the Ayurvedic uh, perspective because your body knows what to expect. It knows what's coming. We know from modern science that these biological clocks are critically uh, important. The Nobel Prize in Medicine just last year was given uh, for studying these internal biological clocks of your organs. So your each of your organs knows what to do when based on what time of day or night it is. Your digestion knows when food is coming. It, your body knows when sleep is coming and Ayurveda recommends getting up at the same time uh, every day and going to bed at the same time uh, every day. Real challenging for us. That means no binge watching Netflix. That means no developing a sleep debt during the work week and then sleeping in. Uh, you know, again, you have a little bit of wiggle room there. Uh, all the meetings that you're going to go to are at night. I teach in the evening. It's hard hard for me to deal with that also. But those should be few and far between so that you can stay on this consistent routine. And that helps you with being involved with healthy activities at healthy times. So that if you start your day at the appropriate time, your body will be ready to digest food at the appropriate time, for example. So we want you to arise and then retire according to the balance of these doshas in your life. Ideally, the three doshas, Vata, Pitta, Kapha, would be in balance when you're born. And your parents would help you keep these doshas in balance. But most people are born with their doshas already out of balance due to nutritional issues and stress and whatever. And, uh, and then most people's doshas continue to go further and further out of balance because who knew? Our grandparents didn't help us understand that. So we want to bring these doshas back into balance. So most people have at least one of these metabolic forces, like let's say vata, the cold and dry dosha that tends to be tissue destructive, in excess in our body. So the dosha, the current dosha balance is what we're concerned about. Is your body exceptionally cold and dry? Is it exceptionally cold and wet? Is it exceptionally hot and inflammation prone? So when you know that, you know how to run the rest of your life and everything else we're going to talk about is based on that issue. Now to a certain extent this depends on your particular sadhana or spiritual discipline. Uh, some people spend more time in meditation or yoga something like that so they have to get up early. But bottom line Ayurveda recommends that you arise before the sun, before the sun rises, and ideally the thing that will wake you up is the urge to have a bowel movement and we can talk about that a little bit more later but ideally about two hours before the sun is to rise depending on how many procedures you're going to do and whether or not you have things to do before you start your workday meditation things like that so it depends on your particular sadhana but bottom line people with this cold and dry metabolic energy or vata uh, can get up around six o'clock people with an inflammatory type 
metabolism, uh, pitta, maybe 5.30, and kapha people, that's me, people with a cold, wet body, uh, around uh, 4.30, something like that. So, depends on how much sleep we would like people to get. Some people do a lot better with a bit more sleep, others with less, and that's not dictated by your schedule at work or your politics or because you want to uh, go to the gym or uh, go to Starbucks before you go to work. It's dictated by your physiology. So one way or another, adjusted to the amount of sleep that you need and then around two hours uh, before the sun is the healthiest uh, combination. That's very interesting. I uh, really like the things that you're saying. I want to um, touch base with you and have you expand a little bit about the qualities and what it means to be vata, pitta, and kapha, because you mentioned that we should focus on the qualities and, and, and what is expressing themselves during the day. Can you touch a little bit more on that? So these three doshas, there's, there's a couple things that are important. Uh, one is what Ayurveda calls the constitution or the blueprint for how you're built. So that has, it's determined largely by your genetics, but then also whatever happened to you uh, during uh, pregnancy. There's some things that can happen there. So by the time you're born, you have a body that has a tendency to drift in a particular metabolic direction if you allow it to do that. So constitutionally, uh, you can have more vata dosha, which means that your body has a tendency to be cold and dry. When we say cold, we mean uh, hypometabolic. In other words, everything is running a little slower. Your body temperature tends to run a little on the slow side. You have a slower heartbeat, less circulation, classic hands and cold hands and feet, slow digestion, and the dryness brings constipation, dry skin, uh, things like that. People with that blueprint tend to be artistic and creative but have difficulty with discipline and consistency of routine. Uh, people with high pitta in their constitution uh, tend toward inflammatory kinds of uh, issues. It's hot and wet, so a body that retains water easily and then easily overheats. So hypermetabolic. Heart rate is up, circulation is more substantial, uh, aggressive attitude toward life, attacking business, uh, busy, and people have, you know, four different jobs and two volunteer positions, uh, things like that. Those people tend to suffer from inflammatory diseases of heat, itis diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, bursitis, colitis, that sort of thing. Uh, people that have the kapha type blueprint uh, are uh, cold and wet, also hypo uh, metabolic but with the added wetness so their body tends to run slow uh, digestion tends tends to take longer uh, they tend to take things uh, easier uh, emotionally they like to think things over and they tend to suffer from disorders of slimy stuff accumulating in their body kapha is the beautiful lubricating slime that allows our body to move properly and provide the mucus lining for our digestive tract and our lungs, things like that. But if there's too much of that, if you eat food that promotes that or sleep excessively or do the things that promotes kapha, then uh, these slimy gooey things tend to 
get uh, exaggerated and so you end up with things like uh, sinus mucus and uh, things along that line. So the other thing we're concerned about is the current doshic balance. So anybody of any constitution can drift in any of these directions and temporarily be represent any one of these kinds of uh, constellations of energy. So that depends on how you eat and uh, run your life and again the kinds of things we're talking about. Usually people's current dosha balance is consistent with their blueprint or their constitution. So if you were born with the tendency to be a cold dry person, vata, then you naturally kind of drift in that direction and throughout your life become colder and drier. So people with that situation tend to experience constipation, uh, chronic pain, insomnia, anxiety, uh, things like that. So we're concerned about your current dosha balance really uh, because it can be the same or different as your blueprint and we want to bring people back to the balance where they still have a body based on that blueprint but they've drifted in some direction. So if we let people just sort of eat whatever they want, live however they want, go to bed whenever they want, any kind of chaotic thing just based on cravings and emotions, they tend to drift in the direction of problems and develop diseases consistent with their particular uh, body chemistry. So what we're trying to do is bring those things back into balance by just nudging things with diet and herbal medicine. And here we're talking about uh, daily routine. So that seems very clear and concise. I appreciate that. It does bring to, to mind one question. Uh, we've discussed how to wake up and what time we should wake up. Um, the next question I have is what time should we go to bed if, that's, if we should get up with the sun? You have to go to bed early enough to be able to stay healthy. And the way I like to explain it is that if you can awaken feeling refreshed and make it through the day with good energy, without the need for a nap, without having that mid-afternoon slump, without the need for stimulants, have good energy right straight through to bedtime, then go to bed, fall asleep very quickly within five, ten minutes, something like that, and stay asleep throughout the night, uh, yeah, maybe you get up uh, once or twice to uh, go to the bathroom that's normal and perfectly fine but then you can fall right back to sleep and you can do that over and over day by day things are going well so you go to bed at the time that allows you to do that now you have a little bit of wiggle room here because some of the things that we do in Ayurveda help your sleep to be more refreshing and you might be able to get by with a little less sleep some of this has to do with your body chemistry so we talked about Pitta for example uh, people with pitta-type blueprint uh, tend to generally do well with a bit less sleep than vata or uh, kapha. Uh, kapha people like to sleep, but we want to encourage them not to sleep so much. So it kind of depends on your your personal situation and you, what's going on in your life. So for most people, uh, eight hours of sleep is a good target. If you're going to get up at four o'clock, that means going to bed at eight, which is pretty early for most people. So you have to figure out how that whole thing is going to work. But it's essential that you feel good during the day. You know, we have a nation of tired people. If we go back uh, 120 years, when we asked people, are you so tired that you can't make it through your day without feeling tired? 
5% of people said yes. Now, 95%, 95% say that they're chronically fatigued. They can't make it through the day without feeling tired or using a, a stimulant, but it's happened incrementally. It's something that's been so insidious that each generation hasn't noticed it because it's always been that way and over the decades it gets worse and worse. So when you ask people, is everybody in your office tired all the time? Yeah, of course. People now just think that's the way human beings are. But our grandparents and great-grandparents all worked on farms. They lifted rocks all day long, plowed the field uh, you know, with a mule, and uh, bucked hay and picked crops 12 hours a day and were able to do it day after day. So something has happened in recent generations with people and their, uh, their energy. So we don't want people to be tired. We want them to rejuvenate themselves with the Ayurvedic procedures. So you have to experiment a little bit. You decide when is best for you to get up to do all your morning activities before you have to go to work. And that includes whatever your health maintenance practices are, physically and mentally. Most people involved in Ayurveda do uh, yoga and meditation. So you go to bed at the time that allows you to have that experience. And again, the, the more you do this, the, the better your body gets at adapting to this rhythm. Uh, yoga says that you actually only have about half an hour of uh, ultra deep sleep the entire night. Uh, you you get it in maybe 10 minute increments as you go through your sleep cycles. So yoga and meditation will help you shorten those sleep cycles so that you get that half an hour or so of ultra deep sleep where your body completely relaxes, the deep core of your muscles detoxify, and that's really the important part. Most of the time spent in sleep is just sort of dreaming and chaotic processing of your body. It's not very well regulated. So as your body begins to realize that you're going to have rejuvenative yoga and meditation in the morning and that your sleep is going to be a certain amount, your body will regulate those sleep hours and you can get by with less clock hours but still uh, depth of sleep. So you have to figure out what's going to work. If you are going to late night meetings every night, you just have to reconsider how that's going to work for your overall lifetime goals and make adjustments. Well, that's fascinating. I love how you mentioned that we need to focus on routine. And by focusing on routine, that can help us become more aware of ourselves and the day and what comes about. This brings awareness to how we feel during the day, whether we're feeling good or bad, or even the fact that we might not understand that we're feeling bad or having a rough time. So I think becoming aware is the key. Understanding what we need and what we are and what we can be is paramount to our success and to allow ourselves to reconnect with nature and to be one with the rhythms of life. So far we've discussed what happens or what time we should go to bed and then what time we should wake up. Let's turn the tables and work on what we should do when we wake up. You previously mentioned that when we wake up we should uh, be thinking about taking a bowel movement. Are you saying that's the first thing we should do when we wake up is to take a bowel movement? 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, pardon the excessive discussion of bowel movements, but Ayurveda is just absolutely obsessed with digestion, and we're all about the bowel movements. And so uh, the idea is that your body it has detoxified during the night. Now there's a bunch of waste material ready to go. You want to get it out. And this whole Dinacharya that we're talking about is basically uh, one routine after another to get the material out of your body that was processed during the night and just needs to be removed. It's to assist your body to do that so it doesn't go back in you and get recycled. We want the contents of the food from the day before to go out. So it, once you get into this cycle where you know when you're getting up and you've made that sleep adjustment we talked about, your body has adapted to that rhythm and then if you eat in the appropriate way uh, you'll be able to have this urge for a bowel movement. So you'll arise without an alarm clock. Ayurveda doesn't recommend an alarm clock because it just jars you out of sleep. It's a shocking experience. The transition from night to day and day to night are the most stressful times of the body from the perspective of Ayurveda. So we want to be easy on ourselves during that time. The, the time driving home on the freeway in a 2,000 pound uh, you know, deadly weapon on the freeway. Uh, awakening from slumber and then uh, we don't want you to jump right into you know those first two cups of coffee and then blast out uh, to work we want it to be a gradual uplifting supportive process so yeah the first thing is to have the uh, the bowel movement uh, but we don't just jump right out of bed and do that so when you awaken you'll notice that familiar urge in your digestive tract but also you'll slowly awaken and realize oh okay now it's time to go uh, support myself with these early morning procedures. So you could do something like, let's say, place your palms over your eyes and then open your eyes looking into your palms so that you don't have that shock of, of the light immediately. Then you could continue looking at your palms. You could raise your palms all the way up to extended arms while you're still looking at them. You could stretch side to side a couple times. Uh, maybe do a little bit of stretching with some uh, breathing exercises. You could pray or meditate a little bit before arising. A lot of people like to use some affirmations or something to sort of set their mind straight uh, to start the day. Then you go to the bathroom. The bowel movement should come naturally. Uh, it should be uh, comfortable and relatively quick. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of rules about you know what it should be like and all that. But then of course you're going to urinate. And then uh, we have all these procedures to um, clean out all these places in our body where these toxins have accumulated and need to be eliminated. So you're going to clean your your face and your mouth. Uh, just splashing cold water on your face would be fine. Uh, rinsing out your mouth a little bit. Uh, cleaning out your eyes. You could just splash some cool water in your eyes. But each one of these things has a whole bunch of other details that you can get into. But you could use an eye wash, for example, with your for your eyes. Your eyes are the most delicate membrane that we expose to the world every day and they're subject to inflammation. They're pitta organs and pitta, that fiery energy, can damage them so we want to soothe them. The first thing could be with a, uh, an eye wash. So for people that have high vata they could use a, a decoction, a tea of trifala, which is a very famous Ayurvedic combination that's generally balancing for just about everybody. You do these eye washes by preparing them 
they're all uh, water-based and you put them in an eye cup uh, which is uh, something that you then compress up against your eye and then you lean back and blink your eye a few times and it bathes your eye in that whatever that solution is. Pitta people could use a cool natural rose water. Uh, people with high kapha could use dilute pomegranate juice for example. All these things are low-tech but high concept. These things all came out of an environment uh, starting to be written about in detail about let's say 2,000 years ago. Most of our main traditional texts are from that era. They didn't have machines and electricity and gasoline powered equipment and all that but they had a very deep understanding about what kept bodies healthy so they tend to be things like this. Pomegranates were available you can mush them up, you can put in a juice so you might dilute, make that dilute pomegranate juice but by putting let's say 15 milliliters of the pomegranate juice in 120 milliliters of water you put that in your eye cup and then wash your eyes. Any of these things can be done to any degree of sort of technical uh, precision you know that you choose. Just splashing some cold water in your eyes would be enough to, to wash out that gunk that accumulates in your eye in your eyes. So that stuff is all the result of detoxification processes in the body. All the things that come out of all of your nine holes tend to be kind of gooey, sticky, slippery, uh, thick, and we want to get rid of them. So uh, eye wash would be one of those. You could drink a glass of water that was kept overnight in a metallic cup. Uh, copper is generally the best all the way around. Uh, Ayurveda is all about the subtleties of these kinds of things. So the Ayurvedic idea would be that a few molecules of that copper would have made its way into the into the water. Of course they didn't know about molecules 2,000 years ago, but they experimented over many generations to figure out which practices were beneficial for people and they discovered that this copper cup thing was a good idea. They described it in terms of energy. So the energy, the vibrations of the copper go into the water. If you have high vata in your body, that cold dry energy, you could use a gold cup. If you have a high pitta, you could use a silver cup and then kapha does well with a copper cup. Then you're going to brush your teeth. Ayurveda doesn't recommend uh, modern toothpaste. We talked about all those things that come out of your body as being slimy, gooey, thick. That uh, describes modern toothpaste. It's heavy, thick, sweet, and uh, it just re-establishes that gooeyness uh, in your mouth. So Ayurveda likes uh, the teeth to be brushed with things that are astringent, a little bit pungent, so things like um, the mineral alum, salt, just regular table salt, black pepper, turmeric, these are all things that are used in tooth powder and there's a thousand variations of every one of these things and now we have so much access to Ayurvedic medicine from India uh, with a click of a mouse you can order things and uh, in a couple days they can be on your doorstep and you can use pre-made uh, products of these kinds of things. So you could order a hundred different kinds of toothbrushing powders from Ayurveda or you could use something like neem powder. Neem is a very common uh, detoxifying herb in Ayurveda. It's quite bitter. You could use that to brush your teeth. Vata and Kapha could use let's say roasted almond shell powder. 
the, all these things get into some detail about things that you have to do in your life and you have to decide how much extra time is worth it. You'd have to roast, you know, shell some almonds and roast the powder and ground it, grind it up. So, you know, that's not too much of a hassle. All right, so we brushed our teeth with, again, all these details about which things could work. Then we're going to scrape the tongue. That crust on your tongue is considered to be the most concentrated essence of that detoxified material in your entire body. If you don't get it out of your mouth, you're just going to recycle it. So we'd like to scrape the tongue. Uh, you could just scrub your tongue with a toothbrush. That works okay. But historically, tongue scrapers are easily available. And typically, vata, people with high vata would use a gold tongue scraper, pitta, silver, and kapha, a copper, just like the glass of water we talked about. It's real simple. A couple scrapes of your tongue. All that junk is is uh, removed and then uh, your mouth is uh, ready to go. All right, so we're about <laughs> one quarter of the way through the uh, the morning routine here. And again, you know, I think the best way to understand this is a long list of possibilities, all of which could benefit you and you have to decide which ones are the most critical for the time you have available. Again, a little less binge watching on Netflix at night would give you a little more time to do these things in the morning. And let's say you commit to doing that for six months and then figure out how well it works. Uh, I teach uh, Ayurveda. One of the, the programs I teach in is a master's level. It takes uh, three years for people to study. And one of the things that we talked about was that these students had busy lives and we, I began to realize that they would be two years into a three-year program and never have done any of these things. It was all book knowledge. So we started emphasizing and making group commitments that they would start to do some of these things and the students came back and said, wow, changed my life. I feel so much better when I you know, sit down in class or I'm not uh, I don't throw a wingding when I'm, you know, driving in uh, in traffic to come to school in the morning, things like that. You make a commitment to do some of these things, you decide which things you're going to change, you work into them gradually, and then it's something that uh, you're, you're going to do because of your own choice, not because some musty old book told you that you, uh, that you had to do it. Uh, okay, so we're about one-third of the way through the procedures here. Wow, thank you very much for that. I think that's a lot at the moment to process, but it's very important. Now, we've talked about our tongue and we've talked about our eyes. Would you be able to give us another important tool or aspect to look at in the morning? Sure, absolutely. So <clears throat> now you're going to put some something in your nose, and uh, this is called Nasya in Ayurveda. They're oil-based preparations. And uh, you can do it yourself by putting a few drops on your finger and just smearing it up into your nose. Or you can uh, tip your head back and squirt up to about an entire droppers full of this medicated oil in each nostril. And uh, the idea here is that there are uh, nerve endings in your the back of your sinuses that come from your brain. There's no actual literal physical passage from your nose to your brain, but we talk about nausea as being something that treats your uh, your head. 
conditions of your head, but including your brain. And so some molecules of the things in the nusia are going to be absorbed by those nerve endings in the back of your uh, sinuses and uh, communicate that information to your brain. So it helps with uh, st stabilizing your thinking and concentration and like that. And then many of them also have benefits for things like uh, sinuses. So you can do it with very basic uh, oils like uh, sesame oil for vata, uh, ghee, uh, clarified butter for pitta, or kapha, we often use uh, an herb called uh, calamus that's been cooked into the oil and that goes up into the nose for people for excess kapha. Yeah, so that's nasya and then probably the core of dinacharya is uh, self-massage with oil and that's the, the one that people most associate with Ayurvedic uh, practices and so before you go into the shower you're uh, massaging yourself with oil it's a very fast process two minutes and you give that gives it uh, a chance to absorb into your tissues to a certain extent then you take your shower and wash off the uh, remainder uh, you can do it after your shower if you're in a position where you don't mind having a little bit of oil rubbed into your tissues you're going to wear your yoga clothes and go do yoga it's okay to have a little extra oil so either one would be acceptable but oiling your skin the purpose of that is so that the oil acts as medicine and goes into your skin ends up in your bloodstream and then is a way to help all of your doshas uh, come into balance especially because you're going to be meditating uh, oil is the number one treatment in all of Ayurveda for vata dosha the dosha that causes uh, problems with uh, concentration and memory and things like that so helps to keep you mentally sharp. If you don't do any of these other things, that would be the one to choose. Self-oiling uh, in the morning. And again, you can look for oils that are specifically designed for your particular type of body, or you can use very basic uh, plant oils. Uh, castor for vata, ghee for pitta, and mustard for kapha. I use mustard because I'm kapha constitution. I've been using mustard oil for my abhyanga for almost 50 years now and uh, I wouldn't go without it. I carry it with me when I travel and it's just a part of the basic uh, routine. That's fascinating. So you mentioned and highlighted that one of the most important things that we should do in the morning is to massage ourselves. Is that correct? That would be the the number one that I think most people would say that of these things, the, the three that I would highlight is to have that bowel movement in the morning, uh, to uh, brush your teeth and get that gunk out of your mouth, and um, then the uh, self-oiling. Yeah. Thank you. That is extremely important. I do realize that, and I realize that a lot of us, we have busy schedules. We sometimes don't understand or we may take for granted the the routines and the the things activities that we do in the morning we can use these activities to create some sort of a routine art form routine or 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 spiritual practice around it and put our intention into certain facets of our life the interesting part about ayurveda is that it directly speaks to all the different things that we should be doing in the morning and therefore it leaves us with um, more of a, a structured 
um, malleable, changeable framework that we can use, especially in times where we are extremely busy and, and stretched in many different directions. Do you have any suggestions about uh, activities or routines during the middle of the day? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, one thing that I want to emphasize about this whole discussion is that you don't get points for being the person that follows the Ayurvedic routine the most perfectly. Uh, you get points for results. And so the, it, the way you feel and the way these procedures help you in your life to become all that you could be as a human being, uh, physical health, mental stability, uh, creativity, able to uh, finish the projects that you start, commitment, discipline, all these things are the goal here. Ironically, even though people feel like they don't have an extra 10 minutes to do these things in the morning because they're rushing off to work, most of us are wasting, maybe that's too harsh a word, but we're spending four hours a night uh, crashed on the couch uh, binge watching Netflix. I just talked to so many people that they're tired when they get up, they somehow manage to get to work, they grind through their day, and they're just toasted when they come home. They eat a microwave meal, that's all they can do, and instead of going to bed and rejuvenating, they veg out in front of the TV. Ayurveda is not... One of the tendencies that people can have with understanding Ayurveda is to become listitarians. In other words, they're focused on these lists and uh, devoted to the black and white military rules of these lists. That's not what it's about. It's about tuning into what helps you feel good. And as you were saying, being aware of ourselves and how, how we're doing. And if it's not going well, uh, making changes. So it's, it's not about... The, it's a, not a crime if you don't do these things perfectly. The idea is to do something and have forward motion so that you're working uh, on yourself. All right, so you uh, have done all those things in the morning and uh, you've eaten your breakfast and you eat to your capacity and you eat according to the diet that's appropriate for your particular body. Then you have some work time. Uh, Ayurveda then would like you to um, have another massage. Believe it or not, Ayurveda would like you to have four massages per day. Now, uh, that's pretty challenging in the modern world. You do your self-massage in the morning. It doesn't have to be by yourself. You could have uh, your romantic partner help you with your Abhyanga in the morning. Whatever. That's pretty short. Uh, then, uh, after work, uh, before your exercise, you have um, an oil massage, and that helps to control vata dosha or that sort of destructive chaotic dosha. You do your exercise. After the, the exercise, uh, you have a dry powder massage, which helps to detoxify your skin from the material that's come out of your body, the sweat, from the uh, exercise. So that's uh, three. And then the fourth massage is before you go to bed. And ideally, again, you know, someone gives you a full body oil massage to help you sleep. Vata dosha is the one that causes insomnia. So if you have an oil massage before bed, that will help. And even if you can't do a full body massage at night, you can massage certain parts of your body where you have a lot of nerve endings, like your feet and your hands, and that will, that will be helpful. So four massages. All right, so you've done your exercise. We'd like your lunch to be the biggest meal of the day, the biggest meal for you. 
that doesn't mean it's going to be a big meal, but of your three meals, the biggest meal for you. That's the time when your digestive juices are at their highest capacity. You have the greatest digestive heat in your digestive tract to be able to handle your food. And we want to eat just to the point of uh, capacity, not beyond. Ayurveda would recommend that at the end of a meal, your stomach is one-third full of food, one-third full of liquid, and one-third empty. So your stomach is about the size of your two fists together. It's not very big, and it doesn't seem like one-third of that doesn't seem like very much food. So we want to make sure to eat, to not overeat and suppress our, our digestion's ability to handle it. That's one of the most fundamental teachings in Ayurveda. Don't overeat to the point where you, you can't digest all your food, because then the remainder becomes unusable byproducts, which ends up just clogging up the rest of your system. So we have to eat so that we feel comfortable and full and refreshed, but not overly full or stagnant, and then you'll be nice and hungry for your next meal. That's the indication that you've eaten the proper amount. So you finish your a lunch, you've done your exercise. Uh, often then there, there might be another period of uh, work. Then uh, as uh, dusk is coming, the transition time between day and night, that's a time when vata dosha is dominant. That's that unstable dosha, the most uh, likely to create imbalance uh, in the body. So you want to do things that don't require a lot of uh, serious decision making, like driving on the freeway. Uh, you want to just make sure that everything is calm, comfortable, stable. It's a good time to do some planning for the next day, uh, creative pursuits, uh, things like that. Then it's time for dinner. By that time, Kapha is dominating and you already have suppressed digestion from that. So again, we have to be careful not to overeat at dinner. Uh, this way of eating is the opposite of the way most people eat now. So it's a challenge for people to kind of shift to eating the majority of their calories in the middle of the day when they can digest them and then have a lighter dinner that we want to make sure is especially uh, digestible. So this is going to vary a little bit depending on the person and there's some other uh, adjustments that we could make depending on a person's particular body and metabolism. But basically that's where we are up to dinner time. Very thoughtful. And it actually ends up being a more mindful approach to the day. I think this is beautiful because it presents a more mindful approach to the day. It gives us a little more power. It helps us to focus on, on the small things. Because this is our body. It's our life. It's our health. And the small things really do add up. And they really do make it more beautiful. Or they make it more hard to work through. It helps us to love ourselves more, to be more present, and to be in the moment. Now, I would like to turn the tables, ask you a question about you personally. What are, your what are the things that you are passionate about? My goal for the last uh, 49 years has been to make these ideas understandable to the modern mind. Ayurveda is often taught in a very kind of esoteric or uh, 
metaphysical way. And Eastern teachers often teach in such a way that they give you, uh, they sort of dole out the information as you're ready for it. And they often don't give you all the information uh, so that you can figure out some of it for yourself. And it's, it's taken me, uh, many of these things, I'm still peeling the onion. I still have revelations about things I learned, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, I, it, the way that we teach people now, the academic way, where we get somebody in a classroom, sort of pop up the top of their noggin, pour in, you know, a concentrated bunch of knowledge, pop the top of their noggin back on, and then let them loose out there in the world. Uh, we have to be systematic and consistent about the way we present these things. Ayurveda is very systematic and consistent. Uh, people often think that um, it's unlearnable because it's too complex or too vague or too metaphysical. And they often have that idea because they've heard lectures from an Eastern teacher or they've read a book or something. I talked to so many people that have read 10 different beginning Ayurveda books and they're more confused than they were in the beginning. So my goal is to present these things in a, an understandable, methodical, consistent way. It's very systematic. Anybody can understand these principles and apply them. And even a day or a weekend workshop, you can come out the other end uh, with a, a tremendously heightened understanding of yourself and things that you could do and understand these energetic terms and how they apply to you. It just sounds foreign because it's different than what we're used to and has a little foreign vocabulary, but uh, can work uh, very, very well. What I see in my clientele is that people have gotten fundamentally sicker uh, over my entire time in practice. So I started very early in life with these things and I began treating people uh, while I was initially studying these things. And when I talk to people that have been in practice as long as I have, my peers, there are very few of them, but they all say the same thing. We've seen a gradual, slow destruction of people's health. We talked about the fatigue earlier, but immune system issues and uh, libido and fertility and digestion. So many people, when we ask them, how are you doing? They'll say, eh, things are pretty good. I'm about average. I'm doing okay. No big deal. And then when we work with them for, let's say, a year, they'll come back and say, wow, when you asked me about my digestion, I said it was okay, but now I realize that it wasn't okay. I didn't have bad digestion. I didn't know I had bad digestion until I got good digestion. So people just don't know how good they could feel. So I'd like to give people the message that things can go a lot better than, than the, what you're accepting now start doing some of these real basic kinds of things, eat a diet that's uh, whole and unprocessed and suitable for your particular type of physiology, don't overstress your digestive tract, get enough sleep, all these things we've been talking about, people can feel so much better. And I think it's pretty obvious that people could then live longer, but also we're just interested in the, the way that people feel over uh, those last few years of their lives. I saw both of my parents die in agony and the last 10 years of their life was just slow destruction as they felt worse and worse and worse and both of them were very glad to just have it end. Uh, I don't want to be that way and I, I don't think anybody wants to be that way. We don't understand the difference. So these natural healing principles help us become a lot healthier and uh, people can then 
have this energy. If you know anybody who could run a marathon when they're 90 or ski moguls when they're 80 or you know all the kinds of things you see younger people doing, you could do that. It's just a matter of committing to it, doing some pretty basic things and getting your vitality back. So that's my mission in terms of uh, teaching people and I found it to work wonderfully uh, in my life and uh, I just want to keep doing it. Thank you so much for sharing. Now I'd like to turn it around and ask you about some of your struggles. What things do you have a hard time with? Well, I live in the modern world and so I have these same kinds of struggles. Ayurveda came from an agrarian environment where people, everybody lived on a lentil farm. They had to haul their own water out of the creek with a bucket. They had to harvest all their own food. And so the lifestyle that was recommended for us is hard to do now. People did get up with the sun and go to bed with the sun. Now we have all these same kinds of uh, challenges. So it's just time uh, for me. Uh, I uh, teach, uh, my teaching is almost all on the internet. It has to be in the evening. So I have that same challenge with teaching until bedtime, but I can't go to bed yet because I need some wind down time you know, at night and I meditate before bed. So it's just kind of wedging it all in, in a way that really, uh, that really works. Uh, over time, you find ways to have these things work. And you know, our time sort of expands and contracts as we have things to do with it, you know? So uh, you find yourself, when you start doing these things, you add in some procedures and miraculously over time your schedule just kind of adjusts. You find yourself wasting less time on little things during the day that you didn't even realize you were wasting time on and it all kind of comes together. So if you're going to eat a, an Ayurvedic diet for example, um, a lot of uh, recommendations for vegetables for example. Well vegetables take some preparation so you have to start thinking about these things way in advance. When you're grocery shopping, you have to think about what if I want to eat zucchini three days from now, I have to actually buy the zucchini. Most people are on a sort of a crisis schedule and they don't think about dinner until work is over and then, oh my goodness, what am I going to eat? They stop by the grocery store to get a rotisserie chicken or whatever their thing is. And that, that wastes a lot of time and it means that you don't have the highest quality opportunities available to you. So like everyone else, I have to struggle uh, you know, with these kinds of uh, issues. Until recently, I did a lot of traveling. That's always a bit of a hassle. I'm a seasoned traveler. I have a very good routine uh, set up for that. But still, it's, you know, all those issues going through the security lines and, you know, keeping uh, mental equipoise while dealing with the uh, all those procedures and like that. So, you know, like everyone else, I, I think of myself as being a pretty normal kind of apple pie American, but I realize I'm really not. When I talk to people about their, you know, their diet, I talked to someone the other day who had eaten um, three meals a day for the last month from a fast food drive-through because of the current situation. Restaurants weren't open. They normally ate in restaurants. It was drive-through food. Uh, that's pretty far from the kind of ideal diet that I would, would like. So. Um, I've uh, incorporated a lot of these routines in a way that anybody could do. You know, if you want, if you came to my house and wanted to have steamed zucchini for lunch, it, you could do it because there's zucchini, 
in the refrigerator. So thinking ahead and just make staying organized for all these things is the challenge. Absolutely. Especially in our society, because we're so unique in many different ways. What would you say the three takeaways from this discussion would be? What are the three most important topics that we've discussed? Uh, the first thing is to tune in to your body, how you feel, have a deep understanding of the way you'd like to feel and how you feel now and what the difference is, and then figure out how you could live with the cycles of nature, with the vibrations of the planet uh, around you. Uh, if you have difficulties with your boss, how could you change what you do? You're not going to change your boss, but you can change the way you respond to your boss. What kinds of things would be of uh, a benefit to you to help you make it through these difficult uh, situations? Uh, the second would be, be aware of your diet. Uh, I think that diet is the thing that most modern people have done the worst for the longest. And what I see as the most critical issue in the health of the average person in the uh, dominant paradigm industrial culture is uh, chronic subclinical nutritional deficiencies for all kinds of reasons of the way we manage our food system and the way people eat and the lack of concern that people pay to that and uh, the third would be uh, meditation which is the core of everything in Ayurveda from the Ayurvedic perspective, all disease is spiritual, but that means that the mind has to interpret what's going on in the world and then direct your body to do whatever it's doing. The mind is the boss. The, your body may be screaming, uh, no, not another meal of french fries, and your liver is saying, please don't do that to me, but your, your mind is saying, it's going to taste good, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, meditation is the key to those things, and just consistency with meditation. Uh, it's not a miracle uh, cure immediately. It's both, it requires effort and it's effortless, effortless, but consistently practicing over time, um, staying with it, and then developing that mental equipoise to help you make those kinds of choices with the yogic mind, with the neutral mind. Think about what the consequences for that are going to be for you in the present and the future. All your actions, the food you eat, the, your relationships, all of your activities, and think through carefully whether that's something you really want to do. Is it going to benefit you in the overall sense? And with the, the sort of non-trained mind, you end up making uh, non-supported decisions, snap decisions about things that don't work out very well, and then sort of later, oh, I didn't think that through very well. So meditation will help with that. Those would be my three takeaways. Thank you. That's wonderful. Now I would like to take a moment to recap everything that we have discussed today. So today we have discussed Dinacharya. And now as this discussion progressed, we first discussed what Dinacharya is. And Dinacharya is a set of practices or the routine that we focus on during the day from when we get up in the morning to when we go to bed at night. We focus on Dinacharya so that we are able to fine tune. We're able to 
refine all of the practices that we experience or that we do during the day so that we can achieve optimal health and balance. To start the day off, we discussed that it was important to rise with the sun. Now this changes also according to your dosha, but for the most part, we want to rise up early. Upon wakening, we should examine ourselves. Be thankful for the morning. Be thankful for the day. Clean all of the openings that are a part of our body. Make sure that we focus on our hygiene and our self-love. Once we've set the stage for the, for the rest of the day, in the morning, we go through our day accomplishing all the things and doing all the activities that we have to until it comes about time for lunch. When we mindfully sit down and have our most substantial meal of the day, upon having our largest meal of the day or most substantial meal of the day, we should also have been giving and continue to give ourselves massages through the day, showing ourselves self-love. If we're not able to do our whole body, we at least do our hands and feet and face and head. The next focus would be on preparing for sleep and, and getting ourselves wound down and ready to go to bed at a time where we can arise with the sun the next day and accomplish enough sleep that promotes our health and enough quality sleep that promotes our health. Does this fairly sum up all the topics we've discussed today? Excellent summary. And I like that you emphasize self-love uh, many times uh, in your description, because that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, interestingly, uh, the Sanskrit word for oily procedures, sneha, also means love. The word for therapeutic oil and love are the same word. So this uh, lubrication and nutrition that you give yourself through these procedures is all about respecting yourself enough to do things that help you grow and become all you can be. Thank you, I agree. This is a wonderful discussion. Now I have to ask, do you have any other questions for me? Yeah, sure. If you had to pick one thing that's had the biggest impact in your life overall, what would that be? So I think the biggest thing that has had the most impact on my life is that all of these activities or everything that we do in our life is turning around and bringing it inward as an act of self-love. For me, that has brought myself or that has brought everything that I've done through the day inward and brought my mind and my body and my focus more into the activity, not for someone else. You know, we're always doing things for other people. We're always um, uh, doing our whatever we have to do because we have to do it. We aren't necessarily having our intention be that it is ours. It is our act. It is our self-love. Even work and eating and all the things we do in the morning, brushing our teeth and getting ready, taking showers, all of that stuff. When you're mindful about it, it becomes a beautiful act and a wonderful expression to yourself. That has been the biggest takeaway for me. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I just hear this so often from people that it makes major changes in their life. And the focus is just to get all these things going in the same direction, rather than living in chaos, live in discipline and consistency, and life starts to sort out and make some sense. Thank you so much for being on here, KP. I do greatly appreciate it. I honor you and thank you for sharing your beauty. I would like for you to share a little bit more about where we can find you, what kind of things you do and offer, and how we can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm a practitioner of natural healing, and as you said before, I have a doctorate in Ayurveda and some other uh, credentials. So I offer uh, consultations to individuals. It's all by phone or uh, online type of uh, setup so I'm uh, doing that and then otherwise I'm teaching about these kinds of ideas we talk today from the Ayurvedic frame but I teach a wide variety of natural healing kinds of things involving uh, Chinese medicine Western uh, naturopathic style healing I teach at a couple naturopathic uh, universities involved in a bunch of professional training programs uh, I have a school the International Integrative Educational Institute our email address is our, our internet address is uh, internationalintegrative.com just like it sounds all one word internationalintegrative.com uh, there's a plethora of information there you can go there and watch a bunch of free material uh, read a bunch of uh, free articles and then check on the kinds of classes uh, that we have we do uh, short webinars for the general public very frequently and we have uh, three sort of flagship professional training programs in professional herbalism, uh, nutritional therapy, and uh, Ayurveda. So that keeps me busy enough and love to see you at any of these events or meet you virtually through email. Thank you so much, KP. I so greatly appreciate it again. And um, please reach out to KP if you need anything. Um, this has been the Bella Life Podcast. And I appreciate all of you for listening and have a blessed day. Bella Life, where health and wellness starts with you.